favorite scary movie. Any zombies out there? Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. They are fast, faster than you can believe. Don't turn your back. Don't look away and don't blink. This has Hello and welcome to this extra spooky episode of Pop Goes the Tam Tam. For this episode I've been joined by my co-host Sasha and together we're going to be counting down the top 10 scariest episodes of Doctor Who. So without further ado make sure the lights are on and there's a sofa to hide behind. In at number 10 is The Haunting of Villa Diodotti from the era of the 13th Doctor. Do you like what I did there? Yeah. I gave it a little bit of an accent. (laughs) This episode stars the 13th Doctor with her companions Yaz, Ryan and I want to say Bradley Walsh, but no, that's not right. It's Graham. (laughs) I thought we could each talk a little bit about why we put this particular episode at number 10. Okay, so I put this episode in at number 10 because I thought it was a really, really interesting twist on a ghost story. I liked the idea that there was the Doctor, the companions, Mary Shelley, Byron, that they were actually ghosts themselves and that they became trapped in the house which I thought was really, really interesting. I love the claustrophobic nature. I mean, I love a haunted house that you can't get out of. And the terror that Yaz has when she's stuck on the stairs, she can't get off the stairs. And I really like the idea of being stuck in a loop and how scary that would be, just repeating the same thing over and over again. I liked the fact that obviously Mary Shelley is the queen of horror fiction. So I like the fact that this is a scary episode. It features Mary Shelley. It is genuinely scary. And it's also got a Cyberman in it. So if you wanted to, you could say, oh, well, maybe she didn't write Frankenstein because of the, you know, dissolution of her marriage. It was actually about a Cyberman. (laughs) What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with quite a lot of what you said. Like, a lot of the, like, you know me, I love love anything horror and sort of the the, the being trapped, the being, like, like not being able to get away from it. Like, that is, it is, I think, like, one of the best episodes in the series. I think for me. I would say it was a highlight of that series. The only thing I would say was that like a lot of the episode, like a lot of, like for instance, if you look at something like Utopia, it's kind of setting up for the finale. And I think this this episode in a way is a bit like that. So it's setting up, because it's one episode away from the finale, it's setting up some bits that are going to come back. So in that way, it's maybe a little bit harder to watch, you know, necessarily as a standalone. But yeah, I completely agree with you. The terror that you feel, the idea of reliving the same moment or being stuck in the same moment over and over again, or just in the same place. This is going back to me, and it probably won't appear in the podcast, but I remember when I was in London once and I had to go to a meeting and I was on one of the tube stations and I sort of took a wrong turn and I found myself back on the platform. So I retraced my steps. I found myself back on the platform again and there was no reason why. And I, I, there was a man on the platform and I said to him, how do I get out? And he was like, well, follow me. And I was following him. And then he kind of like, he didn't disappear, obviously, but he did disappear and I couldn't find him. And I got back onto the platform and I was like, 
have I died? (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was one of those things that really stuck with me. But eventually I did find my way out because another train came in and a bunch of people came through and I just followed them. It's that moment of terror where you're like, wait, what? I think they pulled off the same queasy feeling of something's not quite right here and oh this is what it is. I think I've seen dead people. Ghosts don't exist. Of course not. In at number nine is Night Terror from the era of the 11th Doctor. So I really like this one because it sort of, again it, it, it plays into sort of something that you know most people are scared of when their children is like you know something in the in the wardrobe something scary makes it real sort of so you've got like this child who's afraid of sort of you know monsters and you sort of think that it's you know standard children and then it it sort of it, it makes it real and those like wooden peg doll things were just terrifying the idea the way it doesn't quite make sense at first like you don't really understand what's going on initially as to how this is happening and why it's happening to them i completely agree with you and i think the strength of it is that it feels very much like a nightmare and nothing seems to make sense and there's bits from earlier in the day that come back to you but it comes back to you in some weird way it feels very nightmarish and i agree those peg dolls are really scary because when you actually look at them you know when they're in the cupboard they don't look that scary but when they're blown up to like full size and you see them you think my god this is terrifying and it's that otherworldly nature that you often get in a nightmare isn't it where everything is just about right and then something weird comes in Mm. yeah there is something just so creepy about the whole like chasing you while giggling and saying it wants to play and it's like absolutely I would say it's probably one of the better episodes of Apache season for me. Yeah. Season six for the 11th Doctor. I find it so hit and miss. Why aren't there any lights? I miss lights. You don't only miss things till they're gone, do you? It's like what my nan used to say. You'll never miss the water till the well runs dry. Except lights. I mean, not not water. Lights are great, aren't they? I mean, if this place is all lit up, we wouldn't be worried at all. Rory, Hmm? panicking a bit. Yeah, yeah, sorry. In eighth place is Listen from the Era of the Twelfth Doctor. There's a lot to love about Listen, and there's a lot of debate about Listen. But I'm just going to give my take on it. For me, I think Listen manages to balance horror with sort of kitchen sink realism really well so it's a game of two halves really so the first half is essentially Clara and her date with Danny and the possibility of the life that they will have together and then the other half is at the end of the universe is there anything there or not I think I'll address the Clara and Danny Pink saga first of all. So I should say, I'm a fan of Clara Oswald. I'm not a fan of Clara Oswald and Danny Pink. Because I think unlike Rose and Mickey, I think unlike Amy and Rory, I didn't really get Clara and Danny. I never really warmed to Danny. I kind of, if we'd had more episodes with him, if we'd known more about him, I think I could have got on board with him a bit more but I never really felt that for me their relationship worked 
I think this episode is a really interesting analogy of what it's like to go on a first date with somebody. And by that I mean, when we ever go on any first dates, there's that moment, isn't there, when you kind of think, what if this goes really well and we get married? And that's just one of those thoughts that's popped into your head. Well, I've always read this episode as sort of being a pocket universe of that. So she thinks, what if and this is what it could look like. So I think while it doesn't make sense in the whole scheme of what happens inevitably to her relationship with Danny, in this pocket universe of fantasies about first date, anything can happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, I agree with everything you said, I think. Yeah, talk about like just sort of the scary elements, like the whole something under the blanket thing and thing under the bed, what like the whole like it 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 taps into a fear that everyone's had, I think. Again, that that does sort of fit in with what you say about like it's it's about it's about Clara basically, and sort of not the same thing, but but at first dating, you're like you know what if it goes well, but then that's also kind of scary in a way. Yeah. As in, like you know, what if it goes well, but then you know what do I do then? And also, what if it doesn't? There's that fear as well, which I think plays into it. <laughs> is Silence in the Library slash Forest of the Dead from the 10th Doctor era. I really like this one because it's drawing on a, on a fear of things to be feared is, is in the shadows, which is something that's, you know, in theory, harmless, but is something people are afraid of, can't see what's in the dark. And there's also the, there's the thing that I like about it is there's no, there's no reasoning, like the, these things aren't attacking them on purpose. They came and they just, what they instinctively do and they are just hunting and also what I like about the episode is that it doesn't spoon feed you there's a lot that you don't know what the heck is going on in that first episode and it just sort of lets it play out and you figure it out as you go along which I really like yeah I just think it's genuinely creepy this idea that it's a threat that you can't see until it's too late and you don't know where it you don't know where you don't know which which shadows are safe you don't know if anything's safe the idea that there's something in the shadows and it is hunting you and will eat you is so scary although we both agreed that we really loved the first part of silence in the library the second part forest of the dead for me in particular i don't know about you but i didn't find the tension that there had been in the first episode i think in silence in the library it's incredibly tense whereas i think the second part of it, the sort of reveal part, I think has less power for me. What about you? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Tension definitely goes down in the second part. I wasn't so keen on the ending. Like, are we doing spoilers? Yeah, we're doing spoilers. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. been, what, 15 years or something? <laughs> True. True. Like, you haven't watched it by now. Yeah, like, the end, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I like a happy ending. But I think to just sort of say that, you know... They were all they were all saved, all fine, just in this sort of virtual world. Like it, and no one actually really died in a way. I wasn't so keen on it. I agree, and I think that that is actually an issue with Moffat's writing. Let's be real; he gives you this 
River Song's death is really tragic and it's especially sad because I think the Doctor towards the end has realised who she probably is to him but then she gets this sort of ending and it feels like well we've kind of we saw this again with when Clara Oswald passed away so I thought her her death in Face the Raven was very powerful because it felt so brutal and it felt like she was actually dying but then they yeah. brought her back yeah like it's brutal and it's pointless i mean i i get i guess what thing with escapism you don't want it to be real life if you want to give them a happy ending just give them a happy ending don't kill them don't mm. go to all this giving us these epic death scenes because i think river song's death scene you know was really brutal it was really young like you didn't see anything but you knew that she was gonna essentially fry herself which is just horrible don't give us that if you're worried that the audience can't take it because that is the last image that they saw. If you're if you're afraid that you don't want to leave it like that, so just don't put it in. Donna Noble! There's a Donna Noble somewhere in this library. You're the software to locate her position. Donna Noble has left the library. Donna Noble has been saved. In at number six is Hyde from the era of the eleventh doctor. It's the haunted house trope and that I love a haunted house, or what they initially think is a haunted house, and being pursued as well. Again, it's quite a primal fear... Yeah, it is really creepy. I think it's also, it benefits from a really, really good supporting cast. I think those characters are really interesting in themselves. Often, I don't know if you find this, but sometimes I think some of the guest characters on Doctor Who can feel a bit like they just exist in this one episode. However, I felt that these characters had been existing outside of this episode, which I thought was really good. You completely nailed it. It's such an interesting twist on a haunted house. That was a great twist. And I also think the part in the episode where the Doctor goes both to the beginning of the world being formed and to the end of the world and Clara's in the TARDIS the whole time at the end of the world she says am I out there somewhere i.e is her body out there somewhere and she's realized while she's been in the TARDIS that where he is outside she could be a ghost yeah and that how does the doctor view people around him does he view them like people or does he view them like ghosts it's a haunted house, depending on whenever you go there. So when, when they go into the future and they see the various developments of the house that has been built, the various points of the house, all of those people that they see are ghosts. Even yeah. the people that they're interacting with currently are really kind of ghosts. You want me to be afraid? Then well done. I am the doctor. And I am afraid... In at number five is Mummy on the Orient Express from the era of the Twelfth Doctor. Not only is it one of my favourite Twelfth Doctor adventures, I'd say it was one of my top ten adventures for Doctor Who because I think you can go back to it over and over again. I think it stands alone really well. I think the fear factor for me comes in is that when you've been marked for death, only you can see the mummy. And as we said with Villa Diodotti, the fear in that is sort of being stuck in a moment. The fear in this is the fact that you can see something that nobody else can see. And 
it's coming for you and you can't do anything about it. You've got that great timer that appears that's counting down your death. You can't see it, but the audience can. This thing is getting closer and closer and you can't get away from it. And that's really, really frightening. And as we discuss the preamble for this episode, it reminds me very much of It Follows. And that is really terrifying. But the difference between It Follows and I think Mummy on the Orient Express is It Follows, you can sort of get away from it. Mummy on the Orient Express is wherever you go, it's going to be closer to you. Mm. There are some missteps in it. For instance, it's not really clear why this is happening. We know it's an experiment. We know that they've been a number of experiments like this. But I don't really remember being given a clear sort of reasoning as to like who was behind it. I don't know if that was an abandoned plot thread or I just missed it. So if you're a fan of the pod and you know that I've missed it or it is abandoned plot thread, please let me know. <laughs> yeah, what do you think? By my logic, who knows? Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. I think it's not like, bit, again, with it follows down with the mummy talk, the idea if, you, if no one else can see it, that means no one else can help you. And that, that idea that, that something, something is coming... You can see that it's coming, but no, no one around you is doing anything about it. Because like, in in a real life situation, something scary, like you, you expect other people will be able to step in and help. Mm. But if you're the only one to see it, you're on your own. And that fear of being on on your own, no matter what, like no one can do anything to protect you, to help you. Um, and like you say, you can't do anything to help yourself because it's gonna keep coming for you. you. Can't get away. And I think that that, that goes into quite a, a, a primal fear. I think primal instinct of, of of not being able to escape. Yeah, I, I, I do, I do quite like that. Um, and yeah, I don't think there was a, a clear, a clear explanation given, but sometimes there just isn't. It's sort of who logic, and we, we. Yeah, and I guess you could say maybe it's just a crazy person who's killing a bunch of people and just saying, "Hey, it's a science experiment," because like that's been done before. <laughs> And I would also add to it, I love the aesthetic of this episode. I love the 1920s. They really sort of lean into that aesthetic. And I love the fact that, although in my mind, I kind of wonder if the people who are on the Orient Express are the same same race of aliens that were on the Titanic mm. and that they just kind of obviously love ancient earth aesthetic yeah but um we never found that out so in, that's just my head canon. <laughs> you saved everyone no I just saved you and I let everyone else suffocate uh in at number four is human nature slash the family of blood from the era of the tenth doctor so the theme of all our selections so far is tension we love a tense tension in a story (laughs) and human nature family blood brings it in space there's a lot of tension from the get-go. There are a lot of competing storylines as well. But the thing is, they sort of all converge on this one point And it doesn't detract from the fear of what's happening. And there are yeah. some really horrific, for me, horrific moments in it. The scariest thing for me is the scarecrows when they come alive and they surround the maid. That is yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Proper nightmare fuel for me. I think something that you don't also see, but they kind of give you hints of, is the fact that the little girl who's, like, converted, they went to her house, and obviously her family have all been killed. Yeah. It's empty, and they don't tell you 
that they've all been killed, but it's heavily implied. Yeah. And I think the end is just as scary what happens to the family, what the Doctor actually does. Yeah, I really like the ending. It, it, I remember watching it and that just sort of really freaked me out, like how brutal it was, really, how brutal he was. I mean, what it comes down to is that the people that died because of it, they died because of the Doctor. Not always the case, which I think was, had quite, was quite a big impact as well. Like for me, anyway, the idea that like, the Doctor, in trying to not have to kill these aliens that were chasing him just chose a random place, a random time, what tried to blend in and because of that died. Yeah. And it was his fault. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really like that. I thought I'm that for you. It's very powerful when you put it like that, isn't it? And it just shows you that the Doctor can't really go anywhere without causing some sort of damage. Yeah, like and I and I think that's part of the reason why like I don't I don't remember it explicitly saying, but he was so brutal with them. Because I think he was angry with himself and he was angry that it happened. I would also say I think he was angry as well because I think he had to to kill the human version of himself, didn't he? Yeah. And I think he was angry about that. I think he would have liked Joan to have gone away with him, to have become another companion alongside Martha. I think yeah. he himself, I think he genuinely liked her. He, he loved her and I think like because I know that it, I can't remember which doctor it is but it, it, it's based on a book of the same story isn't it oh I don't know but tell yeah, me more there is, there is a story I can't remember which doctor it is and they've changed things about it in, in the book though like the ending sort of the doctor and Joan like break up because the doctor can't love her because mm. he's time odd he doesn't feel those feelings he's not human whereas I think the difference being David Tennant's doctor I think could have loved her yeah and I think that's all it's like that she he wasn't who she fell in love with yeah and she sort of like it, it almost makes it more painful in a way he could still have loved her but he wouldn't be John Smith he wouldn't be the man that she loved well he would always have one eye on the universe mm. wouldn't he really so John Smith would give her his whole heart and every part of him as we do when yeah. we're in love but the doctor can't do that one eye is always on the universe and what is happening there the the power of the ending of being both really sad and really scary and the fact that he is really angry he never raised his voice that was the worst thing the fury of the time lord and then we discovered why why this doctor who had fought with gods and demons why he'd run away from us and hidden was being kind in at number three is the empty child slash the doctor dances from the era of the ninth doctor for me i think what's really 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 good about these two-parter is that both two parts are equally strong okay i would also say that for me the atmosphere is really, really powerful. It's kind of, every time you watch it, it's like thick with foreboding. You get the feeling that the Doctor and Rose are being followed throughout the city. Yeah, the atmosphere is so powerful. I really like, I love the period in which it's set. 
we don't often see many Doctor Who adventures set in the 1940s. And I think they use the blackout, I think they use the blitz and the setting really well to make it really scary. And I think all of that blended into it. I think the fact that you have this horrifying image of the child, are you my mummy? You know, and that's the only thing it can say. And like a lot of the things that we've put down, so mummy on the Orient Express, things like that, you've got this sort of phantom that's following you you can't get away from it really it will always track you down and that's really really scary and the gas mask which when you think about it is like a an item that's supposed to preserve your life but when you look at it it is actually quite frightening like a gas mask they look weird I wouldn't want to have to put one on and they use it to such a interesting way where it's kind of like graphic horror but because the gas mask is there you don't actually see like the horrifying face i would say this is probably one of my favorite episodes like of all of new doctor who like it i mean i i know i missed them i know i missed them here but christopher Epson, absolutely my favorite doctor and i just think the whole like like the, the, the the setting, the whole concept of it, it I, I, I just really love it. And again, the fact that the the threat is not something inherently evil. It's not something trying to hurt anyone. Obviously, at the end, it turns out it's actually doing the opposite. Like, it, it's trying to help. It just doesn't understand. And I, I really like that. I like the idea of a threat that is just, it can't be reasoned with because it's not doing anything wrong, if you get what I mean. Yeah, I do. Like, I, I really like that. And again, I mean, I know, again, it, it ends with, brilliant episode i mean i i'm sad that you're in the minority with christopher eccleston because he is such a great doctor and without him new who would not be the success that it is i am my mommy no mommy's here nobody here but us chickens well this chicken i'm scared why are those other children frightened of you In second place is Midnight from the Era of the Tenth Doctor. For me, Midnight is one of, well, hence why it's number two, one of the most terrifying stories because I think at the core of it, it is very believable that in that situation, the people all act in a way that you could definitely see people acting in a real life scenario. And the fact that the Doctor is helpless to stop it at the time, it is terrifying. Like, he he is unable to save himself, and it's not even the creature that's going to kill him, it's, it, it's the people. It, it, it shows how dangerous, like, the mob mentality and how dangerous people can be when they're scared, and that, to me, is, I mean, the, the creature itself, it's never actually shown what sort of threat it is. Like, you know that it's a threat, but it never actually does anything particularly harmful. I completely agree. I mean, I think most people, this is a terrifying episode because, like you say, this is an episode that's really about being an other 
when it's not safe to be? What is it like to be on the outside? I think it also perfectly, I mean, a lot of people ask, why does the doctor need a companion? Well, I think this episode perfectly underlines why they need a companion and then puts a full stop at the end. If any of the companions of the 10th Doctor had been with him, they might have been able to diffuse the situation to at least make him seem less weird, make him seem less susceptible to judgment. But because they're not there, he's on his own. And this also, I think, underlines that the Doctor is an alien at the end of the day. He's an alien and he is not a human. And although he may look like a human and take on many human mannerisms, in fact, he is an alien and he doesn't really know how to fit in. Yeah. And that's what the fear of, like you say, I mean, I think you perfectly encapsulated by what you said what is so frightening about this episode which is the fear of not fitting in and what does that look like what can that mean for you it can mean anything from being bullied to being lynched yeah I also think the way that you get to know each of the characters just a little bit so you just know them enough to know you think you know the way they're going to react. So, for instance, Jethro, who seems like a very sort of interesting guy, he's very clever, he's kind of different to his parents. In the end, he actually helps get the, you know, tries to help get the Doctor out of the uh, out of the spaceship. And it's the unknown stewardess who has actually seen what is really happening and she is the one who saves the doctor we don't even have her name also it leaves the doctor i think with a question which is i had to rely on this person i didn't know to save me because i couldn't save myself yeah and why did she save me if someone's got malice towards you that they can take what you're saying and use it against you which is what we see the creature doing until eventually they just steal the Doctor's voice altogether. Yeah. I would say, for me, it's David Tennant's best performance in the role. Yeah. And I would say it's his best episode. Yeah. Like, for me, like, the way, like, Trey's you even when the Doctor can't speak for himself and he can't say anything, he can't really move, you can, you can see how terrified he is. The terror that is on his face is yeah. palpable. Like, he looks absolutely petrified and you could fully believe that that was someone who was in genuine fear of their life and yeah. I think that's like amazing acting from him I completely agree the fact that he's able to to show that in a way with no dialogue at all just the eyes yeah. and just his facial expressions And he's really doing it with his eyes because he can't really move his face at all at that point. Like you say, the total fear, the total terror that he has and that he is experiencing. Yeah, I mean, it is really visceral. He's just a boy. What? So I don't get a vote? There isn't a vote. It's not happening, ever. If you try to throw her out that door, you'll have to get past me first. Okay. Hasn't even told us his name. He is, though. 
Doctor, you've been loving this. Oh, Jethro, not you. No, but ever since all the troubles start, you've been loving it. It has to be said, you do seem to have a certain glee. All right, I'm interested. Yes, I can't help it, because whatever's inside her is brand new, and that's fascinating. But you wanted this to happen. No. And you were talking to her. All on your own before all the trouble, right at the front, you were talking to that Sky Woman, the two of you together. I saw you. Yeah, well, we all did. And you went into the cabin. What were you saying to her? I was just talking. Saying what? You called us humans like you're not one of us. Dude, that's what he said. And the wiring. He went into that panel and opened up the wiring. That was after. But how did you know what to do? Because I'm clever. In first place is Blink from the era of the 10th Doctor. I think that will go down as scariest for basically everybody, except for me, and it's definitely like one of the strongest episodes, and especially considering it doesn't really feature the Doctor at all, really. Very different to other episodes, and I think it's very terrifying. And for me, like with Blink, like I... Like, the Weeping Angels as a concept, as they were introduced in Blink, are just completely terrifying. Like, I personally, I don't like what they did with the Weeping Angels in later stories. Yeah. Like, they kind of gave them motivation and they gave them kind of humanesque um, ways of thinking about things. In Blink, for me, it was the fact that it was, it was very animalistic. Mm. It was, this is a creature that is hunting. Like, there's no malice behind it. There's no, there's nothing to uh, reason with. Like, in the same way, you can't reason with a predator. You can't reason with a, a bear or a lion or whatever. Mm. They're just doing what their instincts tell them to do. And it's the same sort of thing. And for me, that's a much more terrifying threat than an evil entity that can, in theory, reason with. Yeah. Um, and that's part of why I don't like what they've done with the angels later on. But in Blink, it is, it is just genuinely terrifying because... Again, like the, go back to what we were saying before about the, the, the something coming for you that you can't stop. And I think the angels are worse because you can see them coming, but whilst you can see them, they're not doing anything. It's when you can't see them mm. that you're in trouble. So you can know that they're there and you cannot look at them indefinitely. And the second you take your eyes off it, it's over, basically. Mm. And I think that's almost more terrifying than just something you can see something coming towards you because it's almost like this, like this idea in your head of, well, you can save yourself, you're just not going to. The idea that no one's actually killed by them as well, I really like. Like, it's a threat and it's terrifying, but you don't actually die, you just go back in time. And so, it, it, in a way, they're not, they're not even really hurting anyone. They're, they're hurting someone's potential, but, like, it, and it, it mainly hurts the people that lose someone rather than the person that's actually sent back which is very like for me it's really interesting i suppose the situation there is when do you get sent back to there are some periods in history i wouldn't want to get <laughs> well, yeah but like the two examples we've given yeah it's not too bad they both go back and meet people and live out their lives and are happy yeah. it's just that they've lost their potential for life in the present day and the people that lose them are hurting because they've lost them so, like, the examples were given in Blink. It's sort of, it's terrifying, but it's not too sort of... I mean, I know the idea of the angels trying to get to Cardiff, and that would be awful. It, it, as, as a threat, I, I, I like this idea that it's just a predator and you can't do anything to stop it, really. I, uh, yeah, for me, that's more terrifying than something evil. I completely agree with you. I would also say, I think the power of this episode as well is the fact that the Doctor's not really in it. Yeah. That we're introduced to these two people that we that we don't know 
and that we have never really had any contact with previously. So it is a proper standalone episode. I've always thought, you know, if you were trying to get someone into Doctor Who, this this is a really good way of doing it because it's standalone. You don't doesn't come with any history of Doctor Who, like you say, it's literally these people who are trying to fight for their lives against something that, yeah, is is truly really terrifying. But yeah, I think that's what's really scary about it. Is yeah, and I agree with you a hundred percent. Each time you see the Weeping Angels, they seem to get worse in terms of like fear factor. They're not scary anymore. No. And I think the reason they're not scary anymore is because they've made them, they've given them human logic and they've given them human motivation. And I, for me, that detracts from it a lot because yeah. it, it's just yet another ha evil creature who is just doing it for the fun of it. Like, it's not instinct. It's, it's, and I think that takes away from it a lot. Yeah. And it's like every time you see them, I would especially say... Uh, the episode where we lost... I mean, I think the most recent episode we had um, with the Weeping Angels, they were slightly better when the Doctor actually became an angel. Like, I didn't expect that to happen. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think it entirely made sense, but... Yeah. But I do think the one when, um, for instance, the fact that now they just straight up kill you instead of, like, taking you into the past, it's like, that's not where the fear actually came from. It was the fear that, firstly, it's really hard not to blink. And then also that it take you know, you're not dead, but you might as well be. And your family and friends, like, they won't, they have reported you missing. What they don't know is you've, you're already dead. Yeah. Again, for me, it's, it's, so going back to what we were saying about the whole like Donna losing her memory thing, like if if you like it doesn't matter whether you actually died or not, like you go back, you live your life great, but the the hole that has been left by the fact that you disappeared in the first place and no one knows what's happened to you, that's terrifying. And again, like you you're you're you might as well be saying like you're back in the sort of nineteen fifties, sixties, whatever. You can't get home. No, that's it. You're done. It's really really sad. It's really yeah. scary, and it's. It's absolutely genius. I mean, if I, if, like we say, I mean, I think the the strength of all the episodes that we have outlined so far, the 10, what the strength of each episode is the fact that they are standalone. You could watch these as a film and you would be as entertained by these as if they were a Doctor Who episode, especially by Blink. If I found out that they were making basically a series with the Weeping Angels, like a spin-off, like a, like a, like an extended, you know, TV series just with the Weeping Angels, I'd be like, yeah, no, that makes sense, as they had originally been, not as they are now. Yeah. The central um, character, Sally, I think that she's just a brilliant character. Yeah, I, I love Sally Farrow as a character. Um, I mean, I was saying before, I, I think this is when we got cut off, so I don't know if you heard what I was saying at all. But um, I was saying that, um, like, I, I really love her as a character. And I know at the time, it's like people were saying they wanted her brought back, like, as a companion or what have you. But I, I really liked that they didn't do that yeah. and that she's self-contained within Blink. And so it is very much, like, standalone and it is very much sort of... You don't need to know anything more about her. Like, what one thing I don't like, like with Doctor Who and other things is if there's a popular character 
and they just keep going back to them. They just have mm. to give them that little bit more backstory, or you have to know what happened to them. I like that to be left up to like I don't I don't need to know everything. I agree. Like, I like that it's left, and I like that we don't know because it makes it feel more real in a way. Because if you sort of meet someone and you know you you don't necessarily know what happens to them because and I I, I quite like that it feels a lot more organic, a lot more natural. And I would actually say I would I wish we'd never seen River Song after the uh, the library. Yeah, because again, like I I liked the intrigue of who is this woman? Yeah, like and you know it, it's a mystery, but then they just sort of like they they kind of I I, I get what they were trying to do. And I kind of like what they did, but they did they did kind of spoil the character, I think. Uh, I think Alex Kingston yes. is incredible. And yeah, any absolutely. quality that you get with River Song after this first outing is really down to her, I would say. But yeah. like the Weeping Angels, I kind of really would have just preferred to have seen her once. And for there always to be hanging around... Could River Song come back? Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. The fact that Sally Sparrow never comes back and never will come back because obviously she's played by Carrie Mulligan who's never going to come back to the series, let's let's be real. That gives it so much more power because it can never be spoiled. There's no part of this that doesn't work. It is a perfect episode of Doctor Who. Again, like we were talking about Midnight, This is one of the greatest Doctor Who episodes ever. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. They are fast, faster than you could believe. Don't turn your back. Don't look away and don't blink. Shall we sign off now? I just want to say thank you so much for being on the podcast again. It was really lovely to have you for um, the last episode, which was obviously um, Our Flag Means Death, which did really well. And I've had lots and lots of feedback. We've had lots of people from all over the world listen to you, listen to us. So I just want to say thank you so much for being a part of that. Thank you for being a part of this. Yeah, you're welcome. And I can't wait to have you on again. Yeah, absolutely. So so thank you very much. And it will be so great to have you again. And yeah, I'll just sign off by saying thank you to all the listeners and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.